The Daniel Ruiz Tyson Podcast. Hey, how you doing? This is the Daniel Ruiz Tyson Podcast with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, never going bald. I'm not sure how that helps me. I think it's more of a statement, really. It doesn't doesn't really help me. Um, not really taking advantage of the fact that I've got a, a, a good head of hair, really. Uh, I think there are certainly bald people I know who are doing far better than me, so I may need to, uh, may need to review that opening line. Show 39, December the 15th, 2011, coming to you from SW8. Love, loss, and lattes. Lots of lattes. And uh, little in the way of heating. I've got my uh, uh, one of two oil radiators I've uh, borrowed for the winter, so I don't have to uh, rely on the... Uh, uh, economy uh, storage heating or storage seven whatever it's called I, I don't know what it's called but it's useless anyway um, so that's at my side here if I get a little cold over the next hour I'll just you know I'll flick it on you won't know about it I might tell you I might tell you that I'm feeling a little warmer um, yeah if this is all I amount to after all the dreams I once had you know in terms of is this what I am now am I just a, a podcaster who records this show every Thursday night. At some point in the future, I'll be recording this after finishing up at some crap filing job. And uh, say I do this, I don't know, say I do this for the next 20 years and go past a thousand shows. Will I have balded by then? What will my hair be like by then? My dad had a great head of hair still uh, when the end came. My uncle was in his 80s. He had, uh, he had a booth on, basically. Uh, it may be that I will have suffered at the very least some uh, traction alopecia as a result of wearing this uh, uh, headset from Maplin's an hour a week for the next 20 years. It might be that that does happen. And I wonder, would I keep the little wispy hair I had left if I went bald or would I shave it off? I think I'd shave it off. I like to think even if I'd balded 20 years ago before shaving your head became fashionable for bald men. Because I think it was the Mitchells in EastEnders who, who, who made that fashionable. It took a long time for them to lose their hair, but they, they dealt with it well, and they both really lost it at the same time. I don't think it would have bothered me too much, uh, the losing my hair thing. Although, you know, friends that uh, tell me that it can be traumatic, bald friends tell me it can be traumatic, I like to think I would have been strong enough to shave it off early. I hope it doesn't come to that, obviously. I won't lie, I love running a comb through my hair. I love putting water in my hair. I love, I love flicking it back like the Fonz sure that it's harder to pull a woman when you're bald and uh, you know I've already got the uh, financial issues counting against me the balding thing would probably be too much I'd probably be out of the loop probably not have a woman for the next 20 years so it's probably probably a good job that I do have hair so this show has been going since late March of this year which feels like a long time now uh, show 40 next week and you think that's a lot of shows but it's just nine months of my life. Another 40 shows will you know, take me up to 18 months. Slowly these shows are beginning to represent chunks of my life. And I'm realising that there's not much left. Uh, you know, realistically. I'm 40 in the spring. In doing this, in doing this show every week, I'm effectively counting down on my life. I don't need the countdown. I think about the end every day anyway at the end of the night. I'm thinking, well... I need, to, I need to do a strong finish. I'm kind of like a football team that's not had the best season. But maybe the uh, you know from, from March onwards, they, they finish strongly. The last 
eight or nine games they put in some good performances there's some optimism over the summer that something positive is going to happen the following season the next season the same thing happens again that's what I'm trying to do with my life I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convince myself that there is still something to play for uh, ways to get in touch with the show twitter at 1607westegg email the show drt at westegg1607.co.uk also uh, join the facebook group the daniel ruiz tyson podcast asked to join i'll add you in and as always uh, you can always contact the show also via the blog 1607westegg.wordpress.com i did have dreams you know i had ambitions i almost realized them you know if i'd made that final breakthrough there wouldn't have been uh, a white guy in the media certainly not in london uh, who knew more people on council estates than me. Not one of these uh, media uh, bods would have had to punch in more door numbers on door entry systems than me. I think I would have been good for the media. My shows, I think, would have won awards. People would have said to me, yeah, you're special. My agent would have said to me, you're special. She'd have let me be her friend, finally. She'd have told me probably to ignore all my uh, original followers on Twitter and just tweet all the media elite on Twitter because that's what the North London uh, people do. And I'd have said to her, no, I'm not special. I'm just a man. I'm just a man. I'm going to tweet my original followers. Um, she'd start returning my calls all of a sudden. She, you know, she would only return my calls when there was uh, some money, uh, some deal imminent. And uh, I'm sure that would have changed had I made that final breakthrough. Uh, things for new listeners to know about me. Uh, this is my fourth nose. The years of my rhinoplasty ops are as follows. 1986, 2000, 2005. That was the uh, wider nostrils disaster. Surgeon left me with uh, very wide nostrils without consulting me previously. That was, that was a bit of a shock. That was difficult. I'd, I'd look at myself in the mirror and I thought, who's that? Has someone broken in? I didn't recognize myself. I'm a low-key guy. I can't be dealing with wider nostrils. And to be honest... I don't think I'd date a girl with wide nostrils. I, I may have done that once and I did struggle with it. You're talking to someone close up. You can look up their nostrils. It puts you off. It puts you off. Uh, the last uh, rhinoplasty, that was 2007. Uh, aesthetically, at least, uh, an astounding success. Uh, other things, I have good hair, but I've only had three haircuts this year. And from December last year to May of this year, no, to June of this year, actually, I didn't have a single haircut. It was the longest uh, spell without a haircut since late 88. I don't, I couldn't describe what my hair became after April. There was a period in April where it looked okay if I threw loads of water on it. After that, I mean, I did a couple of stand-up gigs with this bizarre hair and... Uh, the people who weren't actually texting and were actually watching me on stage, I think, were, uh, I don't know what that sound was, uh, were actually, um, that's thrown me. Well, it's, I mean, it's usually a call from Mickey Boyd I get. Um, yeah, the people that were actually um, watching my act, I think they weren't even listening to the material. I think they were just looking at the hair and thinking, what the hell is that? What, what, what is that? What is that? Lattes, they're not just for women, you know. You're listening to the Daniel Ruiz Tyson podcast. I can't recall a, a, a more difficult start for a, for a show than this one. I've, I've had to pause a number of times. It's been a, it's been a strange day. I'm going to go over my day, really, because that's why I'm recording so late today. I've had a number of, uh, number of things uh, to do. Just everything has been... Uh, 
It's been difficult today. Uh, the gate, the gate, the gate's still not working. We've got the uh, residential gate, which is not working. So you've got to open the, the vehicle gate and you've got to press it once to open it. It's a huge gate. It opens. You've got to press it again to stop it. And then you've got to press it again to close it as you're trying to walk through it. Uh, I was explaining to Martin when he came around last week what he needed to, uh, to do. And you've got to leave a big enough space because the distance from the actual button to the gate is considerable. So you've got to open the gate wide enough to give you enough time to get through it. And today, I don't know what was going on. I didn't give myself enough time. I gave myself a ridiculously small gap to get through. And of course, I tried to go through it and the gate almost crushed me. It pulled my bag uh, off from my head onto the floor. Bag uh, almost got crushed between the gate. It's a, it's a, it's a very uh, heavy gate. It's ridiculous. And then on my way back coming in, someone had spat right by the gate. Now, unless someone was going in or leaving, uh, the way the approach to the building is set up, there's there's no need to walk right up to the gate unless you're going in or coming out. So I just, I don't understand why someone needed to spit there. I don't know, unless you're a footballer, why do you need a spit? Unless you're a sportsman or unless you're running for a bus or something. Why do normal people need to spit if they're just walking? I don't understand that. Um, yeah, so I'll be going through my, uh, I'll be going over my day, uh, a curious day. Um, listeners, listeners frequently tell me I'm, uh, I'm an amazing guy. That bothers me. Uh, I'm not. I think there is a tendency to elevate anyone who's, who's doing something, however small, like this podcast, or if you're doing stand up, anything that is remotely in the public eye, people have a tendency to elevate you. Um, that bothers me. I'm not an amazing guy. I have a lot of failings, which uh, I've tried and uh, continue to battle to correct. And, and, you know, most of the time I'm successful. I ended up where I was and lost everything largely because I lost my way. But I was intelligent enough to see that I was making the wrong decision. So I carried on. I carried on doing the things I was doing simply because I could, simply because I was so disillusioned with my life that I just filled it up with rubbish. It was almost uh, it was almost uh, self-harm in a way. And all the bereavements just coincided with that bad period and perhaps gave me an excuse to fall back on. I'm not, you know, I'm not an amazing person. I'm, I'm no more amazing than any listeners out there uh, who, who, who get up at 5am to do the crap jobs for crap money that most of us don't want to do. Those, those people are amazing to me. Um, now, I'm just doing a podcast and drinking lattes and contemplating more nose surgery. That, that, that's me. And looking at the completion of this whole being a better person thing you know which financially i have to say is not working out it's not making me any money this uh, being a, a a better person thing uh, one thing i do need to correct is i am vain uh, particularly when it comes to the hair as i was preparing the running order for this week's show in the cafe this evening i caught sight of myself in the laptop monitor i looked at my reflection as i was firing her up and you know i was warm in there i was wearing the scarf i could have done with you know taking the scarf off but the you know the scarf looked good on me. I I kept it on. I put my own discomfort second to how I looked. It was about how I looked first. I've got the uh, big guns out now. Diet blue charge. I am aware that this show is faltering. I am uh, struggling with tonight's show. I don't know why. I last week I recorded at six in the evening. It felt much better. Now it's coming up to nine, and I've recorded eight minutes. And uh, you know, prepared the running order. I'm all set to go. I'm excited by the show and I can't seem to string a word together.
You know what I think has unsettled me this week? Um, I wasn't going to refer to it till towards the end of the show. I, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give the full story towards the end of the show. But uh, I had a, uh, a follow recommendation from probably the, uh, the, the, the Twitter god. And uh, my uh, following increased significantly. Um, I've always kind of struggled with Twitter. I've always felt I should have more followers given the sort of material I turn out on there, but it doesn't work that way. And uh, there are plenty of people I follow who I feel do have a small following uh, uh, who deserve a far greater following. And uh, I'm conscious that I might have quite a few new listeners this week. And uh, I think maybe that's uh, it's excited me, but it's also unsettled me as I'm as I'm recording as I'm recording now, and uh, also one of the uh, big backers that I do have on Twitter is uh, James Brown, the uh, uh, editor, creator of uh, Sabotage Times, and uh, Matt Weiner, um, who was uh, one of my editors at 442 when I was a football journalist. And uh, those guys, uh, you know, they uh, I have said it before, I have told them before, I'm not sure it's a big thing for them, probably not, uh, but for me it is. Uh, the work I started with Sabotage Times uh, a couple of years ago, well, about eight, 20 months ago now, was very different from the kind of work I'd done before. I was just a TV writer, and suddenly it became about me, and, 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 and it was a, a work that allowed me to find the confidence to then, you know, become a stand-up and do this show as well. And, uh, you know, to be getting mentions by uh, James Brown. And, you know, I'm not a guy who's uh, necessarily impressed by media bods, but... Uh, uh, James is someone uh, who uh, I was aware of from a young age because I worked at a picture library. We used to deal with his magazines, and uh, uh, you know, to 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 have someone like that uh, show some faith in you, um, you know, when you're on the floor, really. Uh, even though I, 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 the one thing I haven't lost belief in is my uh, creativity. That's it. Every other area of my life, I probably did lack confidence, uh, and maybe in certain areas, I still do. Um. So yeah, maybe that's unsettled me slightly tonight. Uh, but let's see, let's see uh, what I can do uh, with the combination of the uh, nasal inhaler and the uh, diet blue charge. One thing I've been thinking uh, a lot about this week is, uh, you know, what's the last thing that I will say? What's it going to be? Who's the last person I'm going to see? Um, who's going to be the last person to see me? Because I've been the last person that three people have seen I'm, I'm 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 thinking the case of one i was probably the, the the person that they did want to see i think in the the other two they were probably hoping for someone better uh and i know it's something that you carry with you it's uh i i i'm not sure i'd want someone who had a big family or you know uh was uh, uh knocking around with a load of women to be the last person that sees me because i think they i'd want it to mean a bit more to them and i think they probably uh get over it very quickly if they had a very exciting life i think about will i have enough time to delete any porn i still have on my system if i don't how will my uh, last girlfriend and i suspect really it's going to be an elvis like scenario you know most people remember elvis died on the pad what they forget is there was also a 19 year old girl in the house at the time i suspect it's going to be that kind of uh, scenario um she'd be probably about 30 35 years younger than me spends the last night with me i don't think she'd be too bothered really if someone uh, suddenly, you know, comes around to the house after she's called them up to say, look, uh, you know, this has happened, blah, 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 and they start checking my uh, laptop or whatever, which, you know, probably won't be the first thing they check, I'm sure. But if they find, uh, you know, some, some dirty pictures, I don't think she's going to care, really. I think she'll be looking to forget about me as uh, quickly as uh, as possible. 
Uh, other things for uh, any new listeners to know about me, I'm very similar to Sarah Lund of The Killing. I wear the same jumper for days. I've had a breakdown. I've had two, actually. Um, I have, uh, like Sarah Lund, I have a great ass. From from the age of four, my dad made me carry a torch with me everywhere, so my torch handling skills are superb. Like Lund, uh, I have limited social skills. And uh, like her as well, I almost emigrated once when I came close to getting married back in 2003. And like Lund, my relationship with work colleagues is usually absolutely appalling. So that's me. Let's get on with the show. Um, what else this week? I'm still feeling the leg, Paul. I'm going around with a with a tubey grip, not having much of an effect. Uh, trying to lay off going to the doctors. I'd like to see the rest of the year out without going there again. You know, I've, uh, I've, I've had a good year as far as the doctor's concerned. Not been there too often. Uh, the shower is uh, the shower here at the flat is busted so I've started having baths I miss showers I think I'm I think I'm the wrong person for baths I'm I'm, I'm too lazy for them they tie you out <clears throat> I can't stretch out in this bath either it's very small I can't take myself seriously lying down in a bath like that knees up behind my ears I, what is the point of them installing baths in houses if they're this small it's like what I'm doing when I'm lying in that bath is I'm essentially recreating the scenario I have here on the two-seater sofa, you know, when I want to lie down on it. It's absolutely tragic. I've had to bring a little table, put it down the end, the the, the side of the sofa, so when I stretch out, my legs actually, uh, my, my, my feet are on the table, on this little table. It's it's a ridiculous scenario. I can't take myself seriously as a man living like this. And I've kind of forgotten how bathing works. I've got the bath soak in there. But I'm also, on top of that, washing with shower gel. Is that how baths work? Or is the bath, the bubble bath, the bath soap, whatever it's called nowadays, is that enough? Because back in the old days, I'd have the bubble bath, but I'd also have a bar of soap. Obviously, I don't want to go back to, you know, bars of soap. They, uh, uh, I don't expect to be using a bar of soap again unless uh, I ever end up in, uh, in prison. Um, I'm grateful for any bath advice, basically. And uh, talking of baths, I went to buy my 2012 diary. There's a handy little shop in Stockaway. It's not little, it's expanding. Um, it sells a bit of everything. Uh, but nothing prepared me for turning up there today. I mean, they, they do sell, you know, if you want a diary, if you want some stationery, if you want some light bulbs, whatever, you know, uh, curtain poles. All of a sudden, they've started selling baths. And I turned up there today, and there was a massive bath laid out at the front of the shop outside. Now, I'm assuming that's a display bath. Uh, I wouldn't... You know, firstly, if I was a customer, I'd be very suspicious about buying a bath from a shop like that, which had never sold baths before. All of a sudden, they're expanding into uh, the world of uh, bath showrooms. Uh, I'm not buying that. But uh, I, I probably... Here's what I would do, and here's what I used to do when I... Uh, on the few occasions I bought furniture, I'd mark or scratch the piece of furniture that was on display outside the shop. I'd mark it. I'd usually try and do a tiny little D that uh, was visible only if you, you know, crouched down and, and, and looked hard at the piece of furniture. And if that same piece of furniture was delivered to the house, I would then have them and I would say, look, that's the display thing. Look at that. I did that. Um, uh, I'm not taking this. I'm not accepting it. And obviously then you'd probably pay a, a small charge for uh, damaging uh, the uh, piece of uh, furniture but uh this shop today it did remind me there was a shop uh, about 20 years ago when i used to go to uh, uh, Vauxhall college just down the road it was in wandsworth road and there was a grocer's and i used to go there every morning on the way to college to buy myself an apple and uh, one morning i wandered into an aisle and all of a sudden they were doing women's clothes 
I was bemused. I was, you know, whose idea was that? How difficult or how easy was it to push that idea through? I wasn't ready for that. Never seen anything like it. Uh, time now for a song overkill. Regular listeners know how this works. Which song have you been overplaying this week and why? Uh, mine is uh, Talk Talks I Believe in You from the uh, Spirit of Eden album. I've said it before, <clears throat> but I'm I'm fascinated by big bands that suddenly decide they're going to do their own thing and move away from the sound that gave them their commercial success. Uh, I think that's a very brave thing to do. And in my own little way, the last uh, couple of years, I've done that with my uh, TV work. And I went from being commissioned regularly to just basically being abandoned. Uh, being exa- you know, exasperating producers with the work that I was suddenly turning out, completely different to the stuff I'd written before, and uh, didn't make a penny from this new stuff, and yet I and and I still believe in it more than the stuff I I sold to broadcasters. Um, Tears for Fears did the same thing as uh, Talk Talk. That's often overlooked. I mean, Tears for Fears basically sabotaged their their career. They weren't happy being as big as they were. Uh, during the time the songs from the Big Chair album, so they brought out the Seeds of Love, Japan, David Sylvian, you know, the, the these guys, uh, David Sylvian, you know, he does what he wants, basically, I'm not sure what that sound was, I won't be able to edit that out, um, but David Sylvian, yeah, he does what he wants, and uh, my understanding is this song is about the uh, lead singer, I think it's Mark Hollis, I might be right, it's about his brother's uh, heroin habit, it's a beautiful haunting track, six minutes long with a near two minute refrain at the end where Hollis just repeats the word spirit as a choir in the background do whatever a choir does and rather beautifully they do it too as well it's it's either this album or the other uncommercial album they did I can't remember what that one's called um and their work their work actually influenced bands such as Portis Head solo artists such as Tricky and uh I think it was I think it was actually the Spirit of Eden album that uh Talk Talk actually refused to support with a tour. I think it only sold about sixty thousand copies. EMI tried to take them to court. Uh Tears for Fears had been forced on to go a massive worldwide tour to recoup the four million cop uh four million pound cost of the Caesar Love album. Hollis stood his ground, refused to buckle, EMI's uh case was thrown out of court. Beautiful song. Uh, I really do recommend you listening to it. Uh, Miss Ella Simone. Now, I've written her song down somewhere. Okay, here we go. Uh, Miss Ella Simone, Vintage Trouble, Nobody Told Me, went to see them on the 29th. Find the chorus quite poignant at this period in my life. Uh, she then went on to tell Pete Domican in a... Uh, you'll notice, actually, as the show goes on, my uh, pronunciation of Pete's surname will vary. Uh, there's no consistency to it. I'm going to try a few different things with his name tonight. Uh, Miss Ella Simone then told Pete, saw them, the electric ballroom, then they came to the bar we were at and did a surprise set. They are brilliant. Love them. So good live. Uh, the lovely William Stafford. Hello, Daniel. Here is my song, Overkill, for this week. Actually, it's an entire album, most of which can be found on YouTube. The John Waters Christmas album. We were going to do... Uh, Christmas song overkills this week, although I didn't let my uh, listeners know about that. Uh, William continues, wherein my favourite trashy film director has compiled some overlooked Christmas classics. I always dig it out at this time of year, and it's the perfect antidote for the same old songs you hear everywhere you go. As an example, I offer Here Comes Fatty Claws by Rudolph and the Gang. 
it must have been cooled day off, says William. It bemoans the commercialization of the season and the expense and debt we are expected to incur as we are forced to join in with the annual spendathon. Any song that contains a line, I believe in Santa Claus, yeah, I believe he's a prick, is all right with me. I'm planning an SAS Christmas this year. As a skin atheist singleton, I don't expect to partake in many of the festivities, and I feel liberated. When people find out I'm vegetarian, one of the first questions is, but what would you have for Christmas dinner? The answer is, whatever I bloody want. Good stuff, William. Uh, I do expect a Christmas song overkill from you, though, uh, next week, sir. Uh, let's see. Let's see what you can give us. Uh, Gavin Barber, the 16. The Beatles across the universe. I've been thinking that I want it played at my funeral. Cheerio, yeah, he says. I don't know this song by name. I think my views on the, the Beatles are well documented. A kind of a strange situation where I don't like them, but like with the Stones, I, I, I've come to recognise that certainly... For the last four years of their existence, they were an incredible band. I do think, as most people probably do, that Ringo Starr was the luckiest musician ever to, you know, to to, to fall in with those three. And uh, I suspect he always knew it. And uh, you know what? I'm betting he's the last surviving one, and he'll spend the last 20 years of his life being fated as the last Beatle, the least talented one, will outlive them all. Uh, Pete's uh, song Overkill is the poignant Blow Up the Pokies by the Whitlams, a band I discovered whilst in Australia from the album Love This City. The lyrics are about the problems caused by original Whitlam's bassist Andy Lewis's gambling on the pokies. Pokies are slot machines and are a big part of Australian pub casino culture with tax revenue going to state projects, hence the reference in the song to the trains running on time. During the band's Canadian tour in April 2000, Lewis committed suicide back in Australia beautiful song if not very Christmassy if I'd actually read that last line before I uh, uh, read this email out I'd have probably lowered my voice a, a, a touch uh, I still want to know how Peter Bolton lad support Spurs I am fascinated by uh, Northerners supporting Southern clubs it's not very uh, common uh, and I also now want to know what he was doing in Australia uh, Mickey Boyd uh, this week I've been listening to Made of Stone by the Stone Roses a great track to drive to at night uh, <clears throat> Victoria Sponge 7 I know it is probably very uncool but here it goes uh, my song Overkill this week is Tracy Chapman Mountain of Things Chapman absolutely revolutionised my life this was one of the first times I saw a woman talking well singing about things that really matter instead of boys uh, how to get them how to keep them and how to dress her soulful songs got me through some seriously angst ridden years during my youth and uh the sponge then uh, lists the lyrics it's going to take all my mountains of things to surround me keep all my enemies away keep my sadness and loneliness at bay I'll be dreaming of a life of these and mountains oh mountains of things um, this resonated with me in that uh, in 2000 a year after my mum passed away um, you know and I think anyone who's uh, lost someone uh, will know that uh, it is unbelievably difficult and the first two years were just uh, they were they were hard they were hard and uh, during this period i rediscovered my old cassettes now i have loads of ocds and one of them is uh when i get into something well back in the days when i had money i'm an obsessive collector i don't stop music comics uh and in the 80s i'd amassed loads of albums particularly you know mainly cassettes i wasn't even a fan of tracy chapman though fast car uh, was a brilliant brilliant song I don't know why I've never liked cars. I, I, I don't know what the angle on that song was. It didn't particularly remind me of any period uh, of my life when I had uh, my, my family around. But there was, uh, you know, it was a song that came out in uh, the summer of 88 when uh, Mickey and myself were busy messing up our GCSEs. Uh, 
and uh, I listened to the album uh, in the summer of 2001, and Fast Car used to leave me in bits for some reason, and I, I, I guess it's because I remembered being a kid, you know, just before you know, becoming an adult. It was one of the last albums I bought as uh, someone on the cusp of uh, being an adult, and uh, it was a tough song. I couldn't listen to it. I couldn't listen to a load of that 80s music, actually. It, uh, it, it you know, it was, it was a strange thing. Um, uh, fellow saboteur Owen Blackhurst, uh, Submarine by Black Grape, it's great when you're straight, yeah. Uh, I think that's uh, the album with the iconic Carlos the uh, Jackal cover, isn't it, I think, uh, from about 94 or 95. Uh, Eat My Halo, Chrissy, uh, I think it's been tweeting uh, this week uh, about Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Uh, Rage Hard, she says, uh, slightly angry pop helps me prepare for Christmas faster. Hey, you know what? Next week's song, Overkill, uh, I think Frankie Goes to Hollywood, uh, Power of Love, only kept off the number one spot by a Band-Aid. Great, great song. Possible contender for me. Uh, Barbed Dwyer. Barbed Wire, rather. Babs. Steel Ice Span. False Night on the Road. Been stuck in my head all week and can't shift it. But it's brilliant, so that's okay. Uh, Donk Bet Till I Die. My song Overkill this week is Sugar's Tilted. Having not listened to it for about six years, I put it on. Uh, an act of nostalgia. I was blown away all over again. It's a giant slab of perfect guitar pop that hits you at breakneck speed and never lets up. On one car journey alone this week, I listened to it 11 times on the trot, enjoying every second of it. I found it to be the musical equivalent of crack cocaine, and uh, and I am helplessly hooked. Obviously, there the uh, that final uh, tweet there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming Don't Bet Till I Die is familiar with uh, crack cocaine uh, to, to be able to make that comparison confidently. Uh, Ed Seed. Um, uh, what's the song? I don't know what this song is. I've, I've clicked on the YouTube link that Ed has sent me. Prison Colin Ensignane Cuisaw. I have no idea. Actually, let me see. I think I've got a tweet from him here. I asked him how you say this. Um, where is this? Where where is this? I've just seen his tweet. Oh, it's oh it's prison call. That ridiculous long word. It's a nonsense song, apparently about the impossibility of expressing love. Well, that's uh, a shorter word he's given me than appears on the YouTube link. Uh, says he can't listen to it just once, uh, but ten times later, I hated it. Uh, the shrubster, not her from her in a while. Um, this week, I've utterly destroyed Drake, featuring Rihanna's Take Care from Drake's album of the same name. It's not my usual bag, but the nod to 90s dance whilst offering something new in the lyrics that are, dare I say it, an, uh, an acceptable kind of romantic, make it a song worth one's time. I can handle Drake. Uh, I think Rihanna is uh, unoriginal, and I don't think the voice is all that. I think it's a sort of standard black female voice, really. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's that special. Uh, yeah, she looks good, but... Uh, you know, not a, not a great singer. Uh, that's this week's song, Overkill. Keep them coming in. They'll be up on the uh, blog tomorrow night, 1607westegg.wordpress.com. You'll be able to familiarise yourself with uh, everyone's uh, song, Overkill, this week. Uh, don't forget, you can keep uh, keep in touch with the show via Twitter at 1607westegg or drop us an email, drt at westegg1607.co.uk. I'm just off to take a blast of my uh, nasal inhaler and I'll be right back. Oh, look at that, missus. Look at the shine on that helmet, eh? Nice and red, innit, eh? Yeah. I'm not about that fireman's hat. That's over there in the corner. I was on about me cock. Mickey Boyd, new Clapham, coming up later in the show. It has been uh, a long week. 
Monday. Uh, I, I've gotten complacent, I think, in the last three months. Uh, remember back in the uh, late summer, I started to have that problem where uh, my uh, cafe stalker started uh, to turn up, completely ruining my uh, writing in there, and uh, managed to avoid her. The last three months, I spent about five or six weeks varying my time so she could never find me. And I thought I'd gotten rid of her, and uh, Monday... You know, I'm, I'm working on the book at the moment. I'm due to complete the first draft, 23rd of December, a year exactly after starting it. Deliberately has to be finished that day. Uh, and then a, a massive uh, editing uh, process needs to begin. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to spend the next two weeks just focusing on that. Monday was a big day. wanted to get a good start. And I, I head down at my usual table. And I see this, the bottom half of someone walking towards me slowly. And uh, I knew, I was shocked, I knew it was her, and uh, turned up, sat herself down, even though, you know, I've got the laptop there, I've got all the paperwork, notebooks, it's obvious that I'm working. Uh, two hours of my time lost, been chasing my uh, tail the rest of the week. You know, it's, it, it is frustrating, it's frustrating, I, I knew it was her. Uh, my limited range of facial expressions again came in handy inside that I was just cursing uh, as bizarrely I was last night in bed I don't know what happened last night in bed it was like I couldn't stop swearing in my head I've never had anything like that happen to me it was about two in the morning and every thought I had I was cursing I don't know where it came from uh, yesterday was better wrote two chapters but you know uh, that focus on I'm definitely missing something two nights ago I was in bed at three in the morning uh I'd been addressing my sleeping issues last week. First three or four nights of last week, managed to get into bed. I think by midnight or one o'clock at the latest. I do, you know, I just struggle to sleep. I don't even feel tired, even when in office work. I'd be, you know, I'm wrecked in the mornings because I don't sleep. But at night, even if I've been working, even when I'm working twelve-hour days, I, I can't, I can't sleep. And uh, this morning, uh, you know, not a good day to do it, really. Thursday's the recording day, uh, preparing the show and, and, and so on, and uh, getting people to tweet in their contributions. Today, uh, just I put myself on the back foot straight away. I had two dental appointments. The stress of the last three years, probably this last 18 months, got me grinding my teeth again, uh, which apparently I'm doing in the little sleep that I do have. And uh, I'm going to need some corrective work in the new year. Like, I don't have enough problems performing stand-up without being a, a middle-aged man, perhaps wearing a brace. Uh, so, I knew that this was coming. I knew that, you know, I damaged my teeth, which is why I decided I, I couldn't go to France as I'd planned. I thought I'd better just do the right thing here. I've, I've you know, uh, get this sorted out. I've had a mouth guard in the past, and uh, I don't know where I put that. So, obviously, uh, I've still got the issue of, grinding my teeth so I turn up at the first dentist there's this uh, young guy good beard around the cheeks beard is sparse I couldn't stop looking at how the side of his beard was failing to join with a central point of his beard something he must have been aware of and then I was looking at you know he had the young female assistant I'm thinking they spend a lot of time together there they're, they're working seven eight hours a day uh, you know something must have either happened here maybe or must be on the point of happening you know she was an attractive woman he's a decent looking guy or you know if you're if you're their partner you're not going to be happy about their close working relationship 
it is fascinating because I went to another dentist last week, orthodontist last week. There's no universal way of dentists working. They're each doing their own stuff. The next orthodontist was in West Hill. West Hill is uh, between Putney and Wandsworth. It's a nightmare to get to. Um, it's a nightmare to be in, really, uh, because that's where I failed my A-levels for the, the, the second and uh, final time. So it, it brings back some bad memories. The 37 bus route, which goes from Putney to, to Clapham, I, I could walk from there. I, know, I would know the route, but I struggle around Armory Way. It's like a blind spot for me. It's like Covent Garden. I always get lost around Covent Garden. So I got lost around Armory Way again today. Found my way back, got to the dentist, female dentist this time. She opened my mouth with two stirrups, so my teeth were kind of bared like a dog's, uh, like a snarling dog. She started photographing. I was fine. She was unattractive. I'm always fine around women if they're unattractive. I can ask them lots of questions. If she'd been attractive, I probably wouldn't have asked the amount of questions that I asked. I'd have just probably wanted to get out of there. She inserted this mirror to photograph the inside of my mouth, and that was about the gag. Uh, she told me I needed to start breathing through my nose, um, because obviously I was breathing through my mouth as I do because my nose doesn't work and I was steaming up the mirror and uh, and I'm thinking you know the nose I've got a beautiful nose but the fact is it only works aesthetically I can't breathe through it so I'm struggling because she kept the mirror in my mouth even though it was steaming up she called over her assistant to blast some air in my mouth so the mirror stopped steaming up the can was out of air the assistant had to look for another can all the while, my mouth's being kept open by these stirrups. I, I would have thought she could have taken them out for a bit. It wasn't as if they were hard to get in my mouth. It was two stirrups. I had to hold them, one at each side of my mouth. You know, they were in there for so long, I'm thinking, is my mouth going to return to its normal shape after this? She finally got her pictures. Uh, then things got worse because she wanted me to stand up as she took shots from all angles with me in various stages of smiling. As I've said, I've got a limited range of facial expressions. It's like my facial muscles don't work they don't want to do what my head wants them to do i've got a you know i've got a face for playing poker basically and a, a face for funerals it's what made me an accomplished liar back in the day so she's telling me you know open your mouth a bit smile now close and smile bite and i'm, I'm giving her the same face and i'm sure she's thinking what is what is this guy does he have a syndrome does he have a spurges or something you know how, how difficult is what i'm telling him to do and then we sat down, she brought up all the pictures on the PC, she's talking me through everything for 20 minutes, and I'm thinking she probably thinks, given that the work I'm going to need done is expensive, she doesn't know that I don't have that money. Uh, you know, if she knew that I didn't have that money, she's not going to keep me there for 20 minutes talking to me. She, she's keeping me there because she thought I had the money. She probably looked at the tan shoes, she thought, well, you know, momentarily, uh, probably when she doesn't see me again in a few weeks, now that she's given me the price plan, she's probably going to think back, Think about the shoes, the town shoes, say, yeah, he, I, I, should have, I should have known. I saw the shoes. I should have known this guy didn't have the money. Um, the procedures that were being discussed were the kind of procedures you, you, you get done when you're, when you're selling work, you know, when you're successful. Not, not where, where, you know, you don't get them done when you are where I am now. And uh, if she'd known the truth, I doubt she'd have shown me a single one of those pictures. But I've got more appointments lined up in the new year. I, I know what I'm like. I'm probably likely to rack up about 15 appointments before I choose uh, choose the right dentist. I don't know what will become of this show if I have to get that Invisalign thing. You know, nasal and a brace. Will anyone understand this show? Man. You're listening to the uh, Daniel Rose Tyson podcast, Half Man, Half P45. Now it's time for the Nose Hall of Fame. Victoria Sponge 7, lover of noses, big noses it seems. 
She'd have loved uh, Mickey in the 80s. Uh, she began last week by giving us the lowdown on uh, how she came to be hooked on the nose and opened by offering us the Earl of Chatham. This week, the sponge uh, writes, Recently, I've been wondering where is geographically ubiquitous. That doesn't make sense. I don't read... I, I'm going to have to start reading these emails when they come in. Anyway, look, she, she's talking about French noses. She, she likes French noses. She, she writes, I feel France is a strong contender. Thus far, I've yet to meet a French nose I didn't like. Louise de Sacy, Gerard Xavier, Marcel Depardieu. Is it Gerard Depardieu? Has she got that wrong? Gaspard Ulliel, Louise Garel, Fabio Brulard, de Sillery. I could go on for all eternity. However, I am restrained by my word allowance. I digress. These are all fine examples of a French nose, and I hope illustrates my point that being French uh, is a strong contender. Since watching The Diving Bell and The Butterfly, I've been mesmerised with Matthew Almerich's resting nose. I've probably watched the film more times than is healthy or normal. Seeing the nose head-on, you don't get the full impact. It isn't really that spectacular. It's the same width for the entire length of the uh, uh, proboscis, uh, making look dis... It's, you're gonna, she's going to need to spell-check these and, 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 and carry out grammar checks. This, this doesn't make sense to me. The nostrils are large and cavernous, my favourite kind. However, viewing the nodes in profile is magnificent, akin to gazing at the works of both Prior and Alexandra Cabanel. My breath is taken away. Amrick's nose juts out, perfectly prominent. It is by far one of the most protuberant noses. I've had the opportunity to peruse, completely captivated. Possessing a nose of such magnitude is an awesome responsibility. I wonder if he has ever considered this. Has he inspected it from every angle? Has he studied it for hours, debating its relative merits? Does he consider it to be captivating? Does he consider it to be his best feature, even a feature at all? I would love to discuss these questions with Almerick to understand his relationship with his nose and the possible impact, if any, it has had on his life. And maybe even touch it. I guess I can dream. I have no idea who, who she's talking about, I have to say. Um, uh, we'll see if we can arrange for, for the sponge to touch Mickey's nose. Uh, nose, I said, Mick. Um, if you'd like... Uh, Victoria Sponge 7 to take a look at your nose. Meanwhile, the offer is there. Twit, pick her a shot at Victoria Sponge 7. So after the dentist, I uh, went to Asda's in uh, Clapham Junction. Sunflower seeds, um, it's the only place I can find them uh, for a decent price in the world food section. Like an obsession I've had since I was a kid. Um, I remember uh, went back in my football journalism days, I was uh, uh, hooked up with this... Uh, this Oxford-based journalist, a Leeds fan actually, and uh, he was uh, working for when Saturday comes at the time, and he was working for uh, our magazine also. And uh, once he found out I was Spanish, he, he said to me, "What is it with the Spanish and uh, sunflower seeds and the husks? You know, you just got mounds of husks in the streets, and it is true, it is it is a problem out there in Spain. But I've been hooked on these since I was a, a kid. My mum used to open them for me." And uh, it's just a nervous thing, and I'll eat them late at night, which I'm sure isn't good for me. And uh, I bumped into my aunts, basically, in Asda today, and uh, remember last week uh, she had me writing Christmas cards. Saturday I got called back to rewrite a couple of the cards. Happens every year. She, she saw me, she asked, like, you know, if I could go home with her, back to hers afterwards, to write more Christmas cards. Uh, she's got her big trolley of uh, food. I've got my little basket uh, which is, uh, you know, barely full, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm not, I haven't even bought any Christmas presents actually yet this year, living on my own, it's like Christmas isn't happening, uh, no tree, no cards, I'm fine with that, uh, what I'm uh, slightly troubled by is that I am aware that to the kids and the family I am that relative that, you know, I had when I was uh, a kid, 
you know, the, the crap relative who never gets your gifts, or if he if he did, they were so cheap and crap that you opened them first, partly to get them out of the way, and partly because it heightened the expectation of the other better gifts that were waiting for you under the tree. That That's me. That's who I am. So I'm there with my tiny basket. I've got two tins of uh, Smart Price tomato soup from Asda's, which have a label that show you it's tomato soup. It's got a photograph. Someone's actually gone to the trouble of photographing some tomato soup, which is, you know, Sainsbury's don't bother with that. They don't care. Uh, which is why I end up sometimes, uh, by mistake, buying the uh, chicken soup. And I, I can't stand chicken soup. But, uh, so my aunt's got a whole load of stuff. So I thought, well, I better go straight back to hers. I'll help her with her trolley and that. Because I don't know how she's going to carry all this stuff home. I don't know how she was, uh, you know, what she was thinking. Because it was a major shot that she'd done. Um, and I'm queuing up with her. And I'm thinking, you know what? What if I see some sort of woman stuff here? You know, what am I meant to pack here? What am I meant to see? What am I not meant to see? What am I meant to touch? Um, you know, I don't, you know, people are buying personal stuff. I, I was a bit worried. Meantime, the lady in front, she's tall, she's got, uh, she's buying, uh, you know, my aunt's got brute aftershave for someone. I hope that's not for me. I'm assuming that's for my uncle, you know, unless my aunt wants to age me by about 30 years over Christmas. Meantime, the lady in front, she's very tall, she's in heels, she's got cashmere perfume, uh, she's buying i don't know how much that is she's got some broccoli she's got some squash she hasn't wrapped either of these in cling film so i'm assuming she's going to watch these thoroughly uh when she gets home she's very tall she's wearing a red top she's got heels on probably taller than uh uh <clears throat> taller than mickey she's also got a you know she, she's also buying a box of tampax and uh i saw this and uh, it was very the, the, the way she'd lined it up at the um uh the the you know the uh uh, cash point uh, yeah she could have done better she could have uh, laid the box flat she hadn't uh, she, she put it on top of the uh, broccoli and squash so uh, everyone could see this so, you know I didn't want my aunt to be seeing the same thing that I was seeing so I kind of tried to obscure my aunt's view uh, then the lady she picked up the box of uh, tampax she began reading the back now the lady looked in her to be in her late 20s early 30s I'm assuming that's not the first time she'd ever bought them if she had a child, if she had a daughter that she didn't look like she was old enough to have a daughter who would suddenly be in need of that stuff, what was so urgent all of a sudden that she needed to read the back of that box? Can she not see me standing behind her? Can she not see me talking to an elderly relative as well? It's, it's a bad moment for me. How, you know, had she seen enough in that moment to think that I would be comfortable enough with my aunt to, to, to be able to handle seeing someone, a stranger in front of us, reading a box of Tampax. That was a, that was a difficult moment for me. My aunt picked up on it. She starts muttering some stuff under her breath as she sees this woman with a box. Uh, after that, we went back to my aunt's. We're sitting on the lower deck of the 345, all these screaming little kids. It's... It was like being at a kid's party, I, I, you know, just, I could see the day slipping away from me at that point, then I'm back at my aunt's. We never actually go into my aunt's block together, so it's the first time the concierge has been there for a year that uh, he's seen us arrive together. Now, I used to have a great rapport with the other concierge, which was established over like 15 years. I, had, I used to give him the thumbs up gesture when he opened the door, I used to, on leaving, give him the thumbs up gesture. That was all lost, I think he got caught doing something dodgy last year, they kicked him out, this new guy's come in. Uh, decent guy, but never lets me in. So, uh, my aunt, you know, first time we're going in together that this guy's seen that we are together, and, uh, you know, she gives him what for. She says, look, this is my nephew. Uh, I want you to open the door for him because you never open the door for him, blah, blah, blah. Be a test to see uh, what happens next time. There was no 
build up to it from my aunt. She just said it. She just told him straight. And uh, I was like, oh, God, this guy might take it the wrong way. But uh, we'll see. We'll see anyway. But the report has got better. I do the thumbs up gesture with this guy as well. And uh, he doesn't give me the thumbs up back like the other guy used to. Uh, but, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hopeful that uh, something uh, good will come from this, that I will be able to get into my aunt's block now a lot quicker than I've been able to over over the last year. Uh, time for a, a Nectar Points update. I did go to Sainsbury's this evening as well. Uh, what are my Nectar Points? Uh, start in qualifying balance, uh, 320 points, uh, 4 points earned this evening. Uh, closing balance, 3 to 4. What did I get? I got um, maple and pecan cereal. I'm really into that at the moment. Red label tea bags, 70p for 40 bags. And uh, 2 more tins of tomato soup. I bought, I don't know why I did that. Because I bought two tins of tomato soup at uh, Asda's earlier. Um, is anyone interested? Uh, time now for hairstyles where you didn't like how this works. Hairstyles you've never liked on a partner, current or ex. Uh, I want to hear from you. A new listener, Josie, is lost. She's got this straight away, actually, unlike most of my uh, regular listeners. Uh, she tweeted in, an ex had eight years worth of dreadlocks. They smelled and had stones in them. It was like sleeping in a tree, not in a good way. They just get kind of tangled up in it somehow. I think she's referring to the stones here. And then become a part of the dreadlock twigs and stuff too. Oh, jeez. I'm wondering if he was Spanish, actually. Uh, meantime, Toilet, Bigo, uh, Toilet Bingo Legend Superlative C sent me a shocking picture of uh, her husband and fellow Toilet Bingo champ, Minty Matt. Uh, I got the email before I actually read the Superlative One's tweet. And uh, I was absolutely shocked. I placed the picture around 1990. Uh, Mrs. Minty Matt says that it's from 94 to 96. It's kind of like Roland, uh, Roland Orzabal's Circa the Seeds of Love, but without the curls. Uh, Superlative C wrote, uh, I made him get a haircut before the wedding in 97. Passport control people used to openly laugh at him for the remaining eight years of his passport when he had normal hair and his passport had the look. Yeah, I know that one. Uh, it's kind of that long hair at the back. Uh swept back center part in no curtains uh it's just all swept back very big flamboyant hair if you you don't really see guys with that kind of hair now maybe a bit curtis stigus if you remember that 92 song uh and, and i wonder why that's why i got slightly confused and uh, placed the hairstyle earlier um uh, William, uh, hairstyle I didn't like. I had a liaison with a bloke, a very striking looking fellow, talented and funny. Cheekbones you could hang your clothes on. I couldn't believe my luck. He kept his hair short, but not too short. Longer on the top and at the front. It suited him. And because it was his hair, I liked it very much. But then I saw photographs of what he used to look like and the hairstyle he used to have. A couple of years before I knew him, he wore his hair much longer. William actually, I think William would have loved Mickey's mullet in the mid-80s. Uh, William continues, in my opinion, it suited him so much better. I began to resent his shorter hair. I asked if he thought about growing his hair again, but he remained tight-lipped on the subject. I guess I'm a sucker for long-haired men, so to speak. Hope you are well, and the lattes are keeping you warm on the inside. My best, TLWS. <clears throat> I think that's a staggering email, uh, Mr. Stafford. Um, I'll tell you why. It reminds me of when you hook up with a partner. Okay, You know they have a history. You have found that in the run-up to that, uh, that coming together, you find them sexy. It probably unlikely you find them sexy if you if you if you thought they were a bit innocent. 
um, you know, in the early kind of bedroom meetings, you see that history very much in evidence and a few early bedroom moves. It could be a simple movement and elasticity about them in the sack, the way they maybe cock up a leg, a face they pull, maybe a snarl, maybe they do something with their top lip. I've seen girls do that with their top lip. You, you kind of, you're doing something right and it just changes their facial expression. And uh, they know what's going on and you know they didn't get like that staying indoors. But suddenly, as you fall for them, you begin to resent their history. You resent these other people, these ghosts in their bedroom lives. Even though you weren't in their life at that time, even though it's none of your business. It feels like a little bit of that with this uh, email from William. Um, he fell in love with an old hairstyle. It's, uh, and he resented not being a part of that guy's life when he had the better hairstyle. I have to say, I think that's the best hairstyle uh, you didn't like that uh, a listener has uh, so far delivered. Very, very good. Uh, positive Sarah, uh, another new listener, I think. I just like the hairstyle uh, when my, uh, I'm assuming this is a partner or ex-partner, when he got me to trim the back with the clippers and I gouged the chunk out. Never did tell him. Uh, Callum VS, hair scraped back and tied in a tight ponytail. Uh, unfeminine from, from the front can be quite severe looking. It's also known as a facelift where you insert the name of a down at heel neighborhood or estate, uh, for example, the Stockholm facelift. Uh, I feel awkward this in Stockholm there, says Callum, but you know what I mean. Uh, I do hear Croydon facelift a lot. I've seen people use that. I don't know if that's now becoming a generic term in London, at least, uh, for that particular look. Uh, again, we ideally, I want to hear uh, about partners' uh, looks, partners' looks that trouble you, or ex or current partners. Uh, meantime, by the way, happy birthday to Callum, turned 40 at the weekend. Hope you had a nice one, Callum. Uh, feedback appreciated as to how you dealt with it, if indeed uh, it was an issue for you. Um, uh, I asked Mickey for feedback on turning 40. He just tells me, I don't give a shit. That doesn't help me. I, I'm, I'm hitting 40 as a single man. That's that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. I, I, I need every bit of information I can get my hands on to, to, to help me uh, deal with that. Uh, by the way, uh, well, actually, that's it for Keep Your Hairstyles. Uh, what am I talking about? What is wrong with me tonight? That is it for Hairstyles uh, You Never Liked uh, this uh, this week. Uh, keep them coming in. Can you top William's weird one? That's that's the challenge for next week. Next week's show is the uh, Christmas one. There'll also be a Christmas Eve Please Don't Hug Me special. Uh, more on that next week. We'll have a few special guests on that too. Uh, but for this show next week, you know what? I want to know what presents you would get for your fellow show listeners who you've never met in real life. Based on what you know of them through this show uh, and Twitter, what would you buy for them? Two Rivers, I'm assuming, will be purchasing something a little silky for EV80. Uh, so tweet those uh, uh, those Christmas gifts in. Hashtag Xmas gifts to uh, 1607 West Egg or email them in. DRT at West Egg 1607.co.uk. Uh, put uh, Xmas gifts in the uh, subject header. Well, it's coming on for 10 o'clock now. I've been doing this for an hour and a half uh, this evening. This has uh, not been uh, good this week. Uh, so much so that I've just got an email now from uh, Purple Helen, and I'm going to include a song overkill because next week I just want festive song overkills. Helen, uh, Purple Helen, uh, my song overkill this week is a frequent offender, Pretend We're Dead by L7. I saw this band at the Reading Festival in 1992. It was the notorious incident with the lead singer and the tampon. Um... They were on the word as well, weren't they? And I think uh, around 92 as well. And didn't they remove their trousers and they weren't wearing anything underneath, if I remember rightly? It was uh, very controversial. 
Um, so yeah, uh, that's uh, that's uh, Helen's song overkill. That's just come in. It's uh, time now for this week's timestamp. Remember, we started this last week. Uh, last week was uh, May '94. This week we're in December '99. I made a mistake here uh because we're also staying with december next week for the christmas special but nevertheless i'll stick with it it's december 99 that was the call out december 99 was uh i've got difficult memories from december 99 um obviously it's so long ago now that i have to think very hard to, to put myself back there but uh i'm still able to to recall that period fairly well we had a leaking roof, which we'd had for, for the best part of the 90s. It's something that's always, uh, you know, put me off living on top floors. And uh, even now, when it rains, I, I can't sleep. And it's a result, uh, it's a consequence of those times. It was also my mum's last Christmas, and uh, she'd aged a lot in that last year. I think me moving home, as I've talked about on this show before, even though it was only for six months... It altered our relationship, and it also did age her. I think she took it hard. And uh, the, one of the few things that I don't do, we've never been able to do really, when it comes to my mum, is to think about those six months that she spent on her own. And it was when she, I moved back home in August '99. She'd, I hadn't seen her for three weeks. She'd gone to Spain, and uh, when she came home, uh, I wasn't used to not seeing her for a while. Uh, when she came home, I was shocked at her appearance, and uh, that really got me going work-wise. Uh, I, I thought, well, I've got to do something because uh, she's not going to be around for long. That was a that was a big. I think that was uh, when I started to get very anxious about things. That that's where my character started to change. That led me, I think, in the end, to to, to what happened last year. I was in a relationship at the time, I'd been with the girl for about a year. I wouldn't say it was a stormy relationship. It was up and down. Nice girl. Uh, she's married now. She lives in the uh, she lives in the Gulf. She's pregnant. Um, you know, it was uh, she was uh, probably too young at the time. I was too immature. But December '99 was going to be my first Christmas away from home. Uh, I left my mum and my sister that night. It was Christmas Eve. The water was coming through. I remember it was coming through the window that led out onto the flat roof. And as you walk down the stairs to leave the the, the, the flat, the bed sit, uh, the water was just coming down. It was like a it was like a waterfall, basically a very slow waterfall. And uh, I just couldn't wait to get out. I couldn't deal with that. I couldn't deal with seeing, you know, my mum's face that night. Uh, I, I think I became aware more than ever that night that. If we were going to make it out of that house, we weren't all going to make it out of there together. It's it's hard to explain. But there was, you know, we were just all defeated by it. And uh, my mum had said uh, that she would die in that house. And uh, she did. Um, we knew that things needed to change. It was just... We couldn't see it changing for all of us. We weren't going anywhere as a as a family. We we'd become used to the situation. In the in the run up to Christmas, in the few days before Christmas, uh, my mum had taken it badly. I could see that she'd taken it badly that I wasn't going to be there for Christmas Day. 
and uh, I couldn't handle it. I thought she was being unreasonable, and uh, I laid into her one afternoon. Uh, I felt, and still do, not that it matters that I was being reasonable. You know, we'd be there the next year, Christmas Day, and we'd be at the girlfriend's uh, parents on Boxing Day. You know, that's how couples do it. But my mum wasn't having it. And I said to her, like, what's wrong? That's how couples do it. And I always knew that we'd have trouble distancing ourselves when, when, whenever, you know, when a girlfriend came along because we were very, very close. And, uh, you know, when you're sharing a bed with your dad for a couple of years, it doesn't help you mature. You know, I couldn't go from that to dating girls like the rest of my friends were doing. It wasn't going to happen. So I was very slow when it came to the dating scene. I was very immature. This was my first serious relationship. And uh, I said to my mum, look, you know, we'll, just, we'll, we'll be here Christmas Day next year. And she just said to me, I won't be here next year. You know, so she knew. She, she knew. Six weeks later, she was dead. Boxing Day, she'd gathered everyone round. We never, ever had a, ba uh, a big family meal at Christmas. My dad would never go anywhere with us. So we'd always go out on Christmas Day to my aunt's. And we'd have Christmas dinner at our house on Boxing Day. And my aunt and cousins would never come around because my dad was a difficult guy. Boxing Day, I turned up close to lunchtime. The uh, girlfriend and I were staying at matches uh, at the time. My mum wasn't impressed that I was late. My sister was on my case. Kicked off between me and my sister at the table. Again, nothing to be proud of. I, I remember my cousin's ex-wife. She was sat at the table. She was visibly shocked at the severity of the confrontation between my sister and I and you look back and you think why was I like this and uh, I don't think I can beat myself up about the not being there on Christmas Day obviously I regret it but you know in a relationship you like I said you alternate we would have been there the next year but I'm sorry that my mum's last Christmas was like that uh, she always made Christmas special she always put up a lovely tree great presents great food on Boxing Day and I'll never forget a couple of years earlier, actually, 97, I was earning well, uh, you know, well enough to be able to buy her a TV uh, for her room. And I had problems because of the way the whole place was laid out to, to find a secret place to keep it. And I can't remember where I, where I put it in the end. But there are two things I remember. I, I, I dragged the procedure out. It was the biggest thing I'd ever bought anyone. And I kind of wanted to savour it, really. Uh, I wanted my mum to be so happy. So my mum had opened all her presents and there was nothing from me as far as she could see. She looked a little hurt but she said nothing. And then I brought it out and she contained how overwhelmed she was because I think she was conscious my sister was there and my sister financially couldn't compete with that. And I was, you know, I was wrong on two counts there. First, first of all, dragging the presentation out uh, and not putting my sister's name on the card, not offering her the opportunity to put her name on the card. You know, I shouldn't have done that to, to her. That's the only time I think I could see where there was probably an element of blowing my sister out of the water in the uh, competition for my mum's affections. Uh, you know, things between us were, were rock bottom at the time and uh, I didn't play that one. Uh, I didn't play that one well. So those are my memories of uh, December 99, going back a couple of years earlier. But... Uh, yeah, the, the 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 Christmas Eve thing, the water, the water coming in through the roof. That uh, that that really summed us up as a family. How how we ended up, how how we ended up living. And uh, by way of an explanation, I think that 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 poverty, that level of poverty, gives a cold house. It was a wet house, a damp house. You know, that's why two people didn't make it uh, beyond their fifties. 
uh, Pete, Pete Domican, uh, Messi, real Messi, third month at Cranfield University doing my MBA, uh, third month of working 8.30 till midnight every day with weekend exams as well, went home for Christmas, fell ill Boxing Day, didn't even surface for Millennium Evening, yet another classic Christmas. Miss Ella uh, Simone, December 99 was hell, I got mugged and stabbed in the head on New Year's Eve, uh, total wank. Uh, Ella, from what I can see, starting to move uh, into writing. Uh, I could be wrong. It may be that she's already a writer, but uh, I'd say it's worth following a couple of blogs that she has uh, for details. Check her Twitter feed out, Miss M.S. Ella Simone. Uh, Owen Blackhurst, working in a car shop, changing wiper blades for old women and smoking bongs. I actually had to Google bongs. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, that innocent when it comes to uh, stuff like that. Uh, so uh, I, I, I had to Google that. Uh, positive, Sarah, in 1999, I just moved to Soham, in brackets, shithole, and I was planning a big millennium party, got Beijing flu, New Year's Eve was all over. Uh, the Shrubster, uh, wow, two, two contributions this week from the Dimitar Berbatov of Twitter. I have only one memory that I can identify as being from December 99. I'm in my library. She'd asked me to meet her there after school for a secret unscheduled rendezvous. We sat on the floor in the foreign language languages section while she chastised me for never taking Urdu classes seriously in my youth and complained about the state of the local council. She then slipped a fiver in my pocket and warned me not to tell my dad about the meeting. I don't know who she's talking about. Could she be talking about her mum? I'm not sure. That's this week's timestamp. Next week, Christmas 1989. What were you doing? And if you can't remember, you're probably too young to be listening to this show. I'll be telling you meantime about me and my old friend Nellie Jenkins. Epic trip for the Ruiz Tyson family's first ever proper-sized TV in Tottenham Court Road. Yes, we were on our way to get Teletext. That was it. Teletext was coming to 48 Mayflower. That's a uh, Twitter hashtag timestamp. Uh, Twitter is uh, at 1607WestEgg or email DRT at westegg1607.co.uk timestamp in the subject header. Uh, thanks to... All those of you who've donated to the uh, Keep Your Head Appeal on the back of last week's show, um, thank you to all those who've retweeted the links. Regular listeners, uh, you'll know what happened to me last year. Show 31 is a good place to start if you're new to the show, or you'll find much of the information on the uh, fundraising page. We've now uh, raised £600 so far, and I do say we. Uh, okay, Obviously, I couldn't have done this all. Uh, I couldn't have done any of this without you, actually. Um, all the money is going to the adult psychotherapy department at St. Thomas's in southwest London. That's the place that helped me. Humbled by uh, large, small donations. Uh, anything really. Appeal runs until Christmas Eve. One show left after this. Nine days in which to uh, donate. Thank you to everyone who's donated again. The page uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz Tyson. That's uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz Tyson. I'll give that out before the end of the show again. Certainly not on my game tonight. I've actually forgotten uh, Purple Helen's uh, timestamp, uh, which uh, came through about 20 minutes ago. Uh, in December 99, Helen uh, writes, I had just left my job as a holiday rep to go and live in Israel with my boyfriend. That went well, so well that I was back in the UK by the end of March, March 2000. But I did get to see the Millennium in on the Mount of Olives, supposedly the best place to view the second coming of the Messiah. If anyone out there is still sceptical, he was a no-show. That's brilliant. That was uh, that was worth uh, inserting after the event. Now it's uh, time for New Clapham. Back for the first time since October, uh, New Clapham. Uh, back in the late summer, 
if you remember the working class, we kicked out the Ponces, we made Clapham a wank-free zone, handing the wannabe Chelsea over to North London. We've now set up a little enclave. It hasn't been easy. We've knocked down a, a load of unnecessarily expensive bars, uh, pretentious eateries. Uh, it's, it's, it's like an early Deadwood-type settlement. That's what we've got. We've got diseases breaking out left, right and centre. We still don't have a doctor. There are people dying. But, you know, we're going to see this through. We have committed to this. This is new Clapham. Uh, we've got Mickey Boyd's Fieldmonger's shop. Whoa, she blows a lot, doesn't she? Your Escort. Your 1982 Escort. Knife blowing a lot. So basically the way uh, Mickey's uh, Fieldmonger's shop uh, works, if anyone's feeling pretentious, if anyone's feeling like they're turning, they just go in. Mickey's coarse language, his double entendres, is just out and out filth. It brings them back down to earth. And let's not kid ourselves, okay? Because maybe people in old Clapham were once like us. But they turned wanky at some point. You know, things can go to your head. The wrong type of shop opens, a uh, Starbucks opens or whatever. You know, you think it's uh, right to pay £3 for a frothy coffee. You could change. You could change. Mickey's there to make sure we don't change. He's there to keep us in check. We can't kid ourselves. This isn't going to happen again. Uh, meantime, I think Mickey still needs a part-timer or Saturday staff for his shop. Send in your double entendre MPs, uh, MP3s rather, to the show DRT at westegg1607.co. UK. Uh, what do we have so far? We've got the apothecary. I've got an unlicensed uh, uh, little uh, service I'm providing there at the back. Uh, people are bringing in their lesions, plantar warts. I'm, I'm cutting everything off. Uh, you know, I have a rough idea. I spend my nights, late nights, googling images of skin diseases. I know what's what. I, I can identify molds and cherry angiomas. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very good like that. So if you've got any growths that you want looking at, I'm your man. Um, don't do Verrucas, they're too contagious. Um, got the uh, lovely William Stafford shop. It was a sort of violent shop, wasn't it? The people were, were beat up at the back, I think, and that was around the Clapham Old Town uh, area. We've got uh, Victoria Sponge 7, Save Our Souls, a religious shop. I think, I don't know if she had another shop as well. I can't remember. Basically, I need your help refamiliarizing myself with all of this stuff. Um, we still need a cafe. Uh, we've closed down the Violent Pub in Clapham North. We've got a new owner arriving, a new pub. Pete uh, Pete has uh, suggested a pub, just beer, no free trade coffee, no indulgent desserts, no carvery with British Red Tractor approved meat. So we need a, a new landlord for that. Send us your landlord credentials. Uh, I think we go for a normal old school quiet booze and we don't need anything, anything violent. We've got a few sort of violent shops cropping up. I'm wondering, I'm a bit, a bit concerned. We've gone from trying to create something unpretentious to, to something that's like an episode out of the Sweeney. Some kind of, you know, every every place has a bit of an edge to it. Uh, I think Pete and uh, Victoria Sponge 7 are also running the pop van or discussing running the pop van jointly. Remember the uh, drunk, uh, the drunk, I don't know what that is, uh, the uh, the uh, truck that comes every Friday with your uh, coloured fizzy pop. Uh, and I think they're also looking into making that pop healthier rather than loaded with e-numbers. Uh, I'd like to hear from both of them on that, how they come to an agreement on how they're going to run it, what days it's going to appear on. Uh, meantime, EV80 uh, tweeted in, I've never been to Clapham, although the prospect of setting up a business uh, means I may be lured down from the north. With all the new businesses opening up in New Clapham, I could make a killing benefiting from their success. I think Two Rivers is probably packing a, a suitcase uh, right now to make his way to London. Probably every down on their luck man is uh, thinking uh, Rich Divorcee on her way to London. Let's uh, let's kind of let's get down there. Let's get down to this settlement. See what we can do. Uh, EV80 continues. I'm suggesting a protection racket, just like the good old days. I couldn't do it on my own though. 
I will need some handy thick-necked uh, type heavies built like brick shit houses. Well, you got Mickey, Mickey Boyd. He'll be up for that. Uh, two rivers. I've seen pictures of him on Twitter. He's a bit of a lump too. Any other guy who wants to volunteer his muscle for EV80's shop? Uh, tweet the show 1607 West Egg or just volunteer your services to at EV80 hashtag New Clapham on there. I'm sure she'll be glad to uh, take you on board. I do wonder has she said what her business is uh, or her business idea is. Uh, let me just have a look at that. Oh, a protection racket. I've obviously missed that. A protection racket. Yes, I did read that out. I know what a protection racket is. So we're uh, a bit of a villain, really, there. Uh, could she be uh, R.E. and McShane? Uh, you know, setting herself up there as a, as a, a malevolent presence in that new Clapham. Uh, what I want to know as well... Um, I'm all mixed up here. Uh, there's one more tweet from EB80. Also noticed all these shops seem to have a back room. This would be ideal for flogging all my dodgy goods from. Doesn't say what our dodgy goods are. Um, yeah, Christmas. Christmas. What are our plans for Christmas? I'm thinking an ice skating rink uh, somewhere on the common. I've never ice skated before. I'd be keen to know, is it possible for a man to ice skate with largely masculine manners? Uh, not from what I've seen on TV or the Winter Olympics. It, it looks a bit effeminate. How, how do men ice skate? How do men ice skate? I'd like to. I'd like to know. I'd also like to maybe try ice skating at some point. I think once I hit forty, though, I think I'll just give up. It's not something I'm going to suddenly do at forty. Uh, is there a choir? Do we have a Christmas choir and teachers for our kids? Who wants to set up a school? What are our kids doing? Our kids aren't going to school. Common occurrence at Lambeth, obviously, but uh, you know we do want to educate our kids. Now, uh, Clapton Common. As you know, I'm not a fan of Clapham Common. Spent my childhood there training as a goalkeeper with my dad. Dirtiest place in London, officially. Uh, would take uh, 20 years to clean that soil. Um, you know, get it free from uh, dog fouling. Um, we needed an idea for the Common, though. It's a massive, massive area, and I have it. It's just a start, and it's uh, it's not... It's a big project, it's a big idea, but it's not going to take up too much of the common. But it's a start, and I think it might attract other business ideas uh, to the common. And uh, I'm going to locate it right over at the start of the common, towards the old town on the site of the uh, paddling pool. And what it is, it's called the Who You Could Have Been theme park. It's like a fantasy island type place. And I'm thinking some of the middle class that we've been holding in a pen on the site of the old French deli... Um, are likely to be trained actors. We can let them out to be a part of this. You know, at the moment they're just there, sat in the back, being held. That they get allowed out for an hour, then they're back in the back of the uh, French deli where once you know were stocked overpriced paninis. Now you've got these middle class people contributing nothing to New Clapham. Well, we're going to be able to use their skills as trained actors, and basically what they will do there is they will put on a play for you, showing what your life could have been like their interpretation of your life had you taken different decisions at crucial points in your life now this i'm aware very much aware could be psychologically damaging you could be old and fat now you're waking up every morning next to a partner you're no longer fancy she's got stretch marks and a 500 milliliter tub of derma mum on her bedside table you only started listening to this podcast because you were tired of hearing her stomach gurgling away during the night as you lay awake thinking of how you got married too early and you're thinking of the sex you used to have back in your 20s and those long disappeared partners so, to see what your life could have been like, you know, it could damage you. It could also damage your relationships. So, we're not going to take any risks. Anyone undertaking this has to undergo a psychological evaluation first. Um, but if you want to be a part of this, if you'd like to see what your life 
might have been like. Send in some blurb next week to the show. The pivotal moments of your life, what the options available to you were at the time, uh, what you might wish you 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 could have done, what you'd be curious uh would have you know the, the aspects of your life you were most curious about and you know your particular interest in what might have happened we need a ricardo montalban type figure to preside over this i'm not charismatic enough so if uh, a listener wants to volunteer to to uh handle this to oversee this uh you know send in your details uh someone who can basically take in the info sent in by a listener look hard at it and come up with their alternative uh view of that person's life that these performers will then play out uh, uh, next week on next week's uh, Christmas sp- special. Uh, email the show drt at westegg1607.co.uk subject header uh, New Clapham the Who you could have been theme park. Keep those uh, New Clapham ideas coming in. So we want a new pub landlord. We still need an idea for a cafe. Um, we need submissions for the Who You Could Have Been theme park. Uh, Mickey Boyd needs a needs a Saturday staff part timers for his filth mongrel shop. Uh, Victoria Sponge Seven and Pete they got to sort out who runs the uh, uh, the pot van. Um, so I think that's it. I think yeah. Let let and and we've got to have a think about what we're going to do for Christmas. New Clapham's first Christmas. So uh, get those ideas coming in. If I've missed anything, which I'm sure I have, because it's been a few weeks since we did New Clapham, please let me know. Um, before we go, uh, shout out. I'm too old for that phrase, actually. <clears throat> too old for that phrase. It doesn't sit right with me. I think even when I was young enough, I, I didn't use it. I, I know what feels right for me. That might have been uh, my uh, equivalent of uh, the call out for tunes last week for last week's song overkill. Saint Inky or Stinky, never established what her name was. She left me a lovely message this week uh, on the uh, donation page. One of the nicest compliments this show's had. I do hope you're well. Haven't heard from you in a while in terms of contributing to the show. Um, uh, that's not important. What is important is that things uh, are getting better for you, and, and I mean that. And uh, I was really touched by your message. And uh, uh, I'm going to stick with shout out here uh, for a man who certainly doesn't need it. Really, uh, the man who fell, the Twitter god, whose uh, Twitter uh, shout out for me. Uh, two nights ago, got me uh, over 200 followers over, you know, of whom 20 quickly disappeared. Um, but uh, the freeview box, the £10 freeview box from Argos went absolutely crazy as, uh, you know, my uh, all these messages started to arrive on my phone and people follow me on Twitter. I, I do appreciate it, Greg. Uh, Greg Steckelman, better known as the man who fell on Twitter. Um, he's got a book out. I, uh, I think it's limited edition book. So it may the chances are it may now be out of print. I'm not sure. It's published by Time. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, I've been talking too much. It's published by Timeline Books. Uh, you can uh, you can uh, I think order it or find out more about ordering it if you go to uh, Greg's website, themanwhofellasleep.com. Published by Timeline Books. Uh, you can also buy it from the Big Green uh, Bookshop in Wood Green if it is still available. Uh, again, details on uh, Greg's site. What a moment for my voice to start breaking, eh? Um, so yeah, the donation page, uh, once more before I go, uk.virginmoneygiving.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz Tyson. Um, that's it for this week's show. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. Thanks to those of you who already have, um, every review helps. Also listen to us, uh, listen to me on Jellycast, Stitcher Radio and, uh, Mixcloud. Join the Facebook group, follow the show, Twitter at 1607 West Egg. 
or email me drt at westegg1607.co.uk got the facebook group as well you got the uh, wordpress uh, blog head of next week's uh, christmas show get your festive uh, song overkills in christmas ones only please there must be good festive songs out there and uh, christmas gifts that you would give your fellow listeners as well until then i'm daniel Ruiz tyson i think you know i'm never going bald next week people next week Thank you.